Let's dive right into the word of the Lord this morning. Praise God. I pray that before you leave here, you will experience the peace of God. God is so amazing. I am discovering that God's having peace with God is so powerful that we almost can't imagine that there's more of his peace available. You know what I'm saying? Just being at peace with God is amazing, but there's also the peace of God, which you have to experience. And I mean it when I tell you this, that the enemy wants to keep us ignorant uh, of our blessings and all that's available to us. Grace is so powerful. Someone say amen. But there's so much more. He wants to give you so much more. He wants to reveal all that he is to you. And that's what we're seeing in this particular message of, of peace. Um, let's pray as we go to the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, your kindness, your grace. Father, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have given me this word. That if you just turn on the TV or whatever means of receiving information to know the condition of this world, we realize that there is so much chaos and people, educated people, doctors, lawyers, politicians, government officials are trying to bring about world peace through having various meetings in different locations. And it's not working, Lord. But you've given us a peace that's not from this world. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that in this season, as we prepare for the Prince of Peace, let this message go forth in power and in clarity to every individual who is saying, is there hope in this season? Let them know that there is peace. And so, Father, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to an Old Testament book. It is uh, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. This book of Samuel has some major players in it. It's where we read about Goliath. We read about David and Saul and all the different things and about a people taking a kingdom, establishing certain things. And so um, this fits really into today's message, which is simply entitled, Go in peace. Someone say that. Go in peace. That ought to be the statement we make at the end of every gathering that we should be able to say to someone at the end of our time together, you know what? I want you to go in peace. Why would you want to spend time in uh, seeking the Lord and we leave with the chaos of which we just left? And so we want to go in peace. So your presence being here brings peace to my heart. Why? Because I know I'm not the only one. Amen? That's why in Hebrews it says, don't forsake the assembly of yourself together. It is not attendance. It is about associating and building a community. We need each other. And so it's really neat. And so even as a pastor, you warm my heart with your presence. It makes me realize I'm not alone. Amen, somebody. I'm not going for a walk. Amen. We're leading people. And so this is what we want to see. So in 1 Samuel chapter number 1, verse 17, uh, let's read it uh, together. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17. Excuse me. I'll read it because we may have different translations and we'll sound like we're speaking in tongues if everybody reads the way they have it. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17. 
It should be on the screen. There it is. Then Eli answered, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. What a powerful statement made by Eli the priest. As a way of introduction from last week, I probably haven't received as much comment as I had from last week's message. People telling me, my goodness, you literally wrecked me. Like it was a message that really spoke to where I was at. And so it's really important that we do a quick review because um, you will not experience God's peace. I didn't say peace is not available. I'm saying you will not experience peace, the peace of God, if you are spending time blaming God. You will never experience his peace. Let me be clear because I want to make sure I'm theologically correct on this. I'm not saying it affects your peace with God. That's God's grace. What I am saying is that you can, according to Paul and what he's taught in Philippians 4, you can't experience the peace of God if you are blaming God. You won't do it. And the reason why is because, again, we have believers secretly who will say, no, I'm blaming God. I still come to church. I still tithe. Praise God. Amen. I still do things. But I'm struggling this particular area, and it's... I'm blaming God. Or you might be blaming yourself. Enemy has you blaming yourself. And and so, therefore, you can't experience peace. The second thing, and this is probably even greater, is those who are fighting against God. Fighting against God's will for their life. Fighting against the salvation that God has. How many know there are people, they're so close, like, come on, man. Like, what's holding you back from giving your heart to Jesus? I, I, I can't give this up. And God is saying, that's not what he's asking. He's asking you to give your heart to him. <laughs> but why are you fighting with God? Because, because I've seen hypocrites. Yeah, but God's not telling you to look at them. God's telling you to look at him. And so you're fighting with God. You're fighting with God and your life is miserable. You're fighting with God and perhaps maybe you're a millionaire, but your life is still miserable because you're fighting with God. So as we evangelize as we try to encourage people and here's the thing it's 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 interesting when when a child can bring home a stray animal you know what i mean they're out and they see an animal and they see a cat or something and they pick it up and they bring it home and says mom can we keep this thing and you got to make a decision either to call the people if they have a tag on there and give back their dog or their cat or or you can keep it um but what happens when your child brings home a secret pain And they ask, can we keep this thing? And so their secret pain may be something that happened at school, at work, someplace that something happened. And you're trying to wonder, why aren't you serving God? And deep down, they have a secret pain, not a stray pet. It's a secret pain. And so it's important because even when you send them to school, you tell them, go in peace. And so therefore, it is vital that we understand, don't blame God. And don't fight against God. It's not a good idea. You will lose. (laughs) Now, I didn't say don't wrestle with God. That's allowed. (laughs) I think we all at one time in our life had to wrestle with God, the will, the call for your life. That there's a situation where this was Jacob wrestling with God until God had to break his hip. Because God won't lose. Come on, somebody. 
You know I don't like to lose a monopoly, right? You know what I mean? I'll do anything, but I'm not God. I'll flip the boards. You won't do that. What God will do is you'll say, you will deal with this. I love you too much. If you've got to walk with a limp, that's okay. Because wrestling with me will cause you to go in peace. And in that context, context excuse me, Jacob had to go meet his brother Esau. And there was war. There was no peace between them. And so he had to go, go to God. So here is where we need to be. Then as we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17, where Eli answered Hannah. And he tells Hannah, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made. Because what Eli noticed was this. Eli recognized after he made a statement or he looked at the optics, says, you are worthless, drunk woman. Here it is, someone's crying out to God, and we interpret that as you're a worthless, drunk woman. How many know we need discernment? Come on, somebody. Because there's pain that people are experiencing of which they don't have no language for. And so Eli, after observing, and she was able to speak. See, you have to know your convictions because when people are saying stuff, you have to be able to let them know your conviction. You don't have to silence your critics. You have to speak louder with your conviction. Come on, somebody. It's not easy to silence your critics. Stop wasting time. They're going to distract you. What you need to do is to declare and shout your convictions because your conviction is what's going to be able to over exceedingly abundantly move you past your critics. And so Eli now, who was the judge and the high priest and there's a transition taking place now and so all of a sudden when he realized that she was telling him he came to this conclusion oh my goodness your petition before God is legit someone says legit it's legit yeah yeah it's legit all you need to make a petition before God is just being a human that's all you need is to recognize God I need your help And he recognized that's the first thing is that you're a human and that God declared prayer is vital. On Friday, we had a prayer meeting here and it was different because we had tables set up and we were going and and uh, Nicole brought these five prayer points in for us. And and I said, we're not going to rush through these five prayer points. You know, you can do like, okay, let's go through one, two and three. The first one was, um, God, please forgive us for drifting away from you with lack of prayer. I said, there's no way you can rush that. I said, we have to repent. And so we spent the two hours just repenting. Say, God, forgive us for drifting away. And I told him, I said, in Toronto, um, um, at one point, it might still be the, 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 the tallest structure. But, but when I was, you know, when you go to visit it, they give you the history of how they made it. And so let's say they were off by just a little bit, right? Just by a little bit if they were off in terms of how high they want to go with it. And so you may say, ah, it doesn't matter. It's just a little bit. And you go higher. It's just a little bit. You go higher. It's a little bit. Eventually, eventually, you're going to go like this. And so your relationship with the Lord, if it's at this level, it doesn't matter if you're off a little bit. You're not going to notice it. But the moment you want to see the blessings and the richness that God has for you, you want to go higher. If you're off, you're going to go like this and drift away. And so what we must understand is that prayer is what keeps you structured. Prayer is the thing that gets your communication between you and God and in this direction. And that's what Hannah was doing in this context. She's realizing, I can't drift away because what I need, I have to stay with God. Someone say, stay with God. Yeah, I'm going to stay with God. I'm going to wrestle with God, but I'm going to stay with God. I'm not going to drift. And one of the things that we had to do at our prayer meeting was we had to spend this time and repent. 
We have to repent. It says, God, please forgive us. And then we also say, God, give us the tools that we need to stay consistent with you when it comes to this thing of prayer. And so what I decided to do was, well, we're going to open up the church on Wednesday from 6 before we have our time of teaching from 6 to 645. That we shouldn't have less prayer. We should have more prayer. If you see what's going on in the news and you don't like what's happening, don't shout at your TV. Get on your knees and pray. That's a good word, Pastor Rowe. Amen. Amen. Right? You don't like what's going on in the schools, then pray. Because, listen, media would like to magnify that, like, God is kicked out of everything public. The media would like to tell you that and only show you the cases where it wants to intimidate. That's why the enemy does it. He wants to show you a case of where he intimidates you from trying to be a light in these dark areas and says, see, if you do this, if you start a business and you say Merry Christmas, they're going to shut you down. Oh, my gosh. And so all of a sudden you shut yourself down. Or you're a celebrity and they tell you what to say because it's not politically correct. If you want your paycheck, I'm telling you right now, a lot of what gets these celebrities is the paycheck. If they really spoke their mind, they wait till they retired. But because of these endorsements, they don't really say what's on their mind. We got to pray for those believers who have the spotlight. Amen, somebody. That they will shine the light and not be intimidated by the world system recognizing that God puts you there. That God puts you there. And, and so part of that we must, we must recognize is, is, is this. Is, is that when we see what's going on, we need to pray more, not pray less. That's what we have to do as a church, is to pray. In the car, pray. Washing the dishes, pray. It doesn't matter. In all things, pray. And so here was Hannah doing that. And so let me walk you through, um, let me walk you through how to go in peace when it comes to, to this particular text we're looking at. And so the first thing, first point, write this down, is that your prayer requests your prayer requests must need God. Let me understand what I'm saying. Your prayer requests must be something if God doesn't intervene, it's not going to happen. And that's the smallest thing from, Lord, I have a toothache, to God, I need a million dollars. <laughs> that every part of your life, you need God in it. So there's no request that you're going to have that doesn't need God. If you come and God's not in it, then it's a humanistic, man-manipulated thing that you want from God. And it's not going to happen. The enemy may bring it to pass, but not God. But not God. Because God wants his will to be accomplished. So the first thing is this, is Eli had to recognize, and I as a pastor have to recognize, that there are prayer requests that you're going to bring to me, watch this now, that is above my pay grade. That's the first thing, that every prayer request that is here, as much as I love you, as much as I desire to see your life prosper, there are prayer requests that's above my pay grade. And so Eli was saying, as a priest, as a priest, I looked at your situation, and it's not me that closed your womb. It's not Paniah, your husband, that closed your womb. And I know, I know, excuse me, um, um, Elkanai, he's the one that didn't close your womb, close your womb. And Paniah is the rival that is trying to provoke you because your womb is closed. And so what happens was Eli said, I can't fix this for you. It's above my pay grade. And if we had pastors who would recognize, come on somebody, that you can't fix everything. Oh my God. 
then you have a praying pastor and you have a praying church. Come on, somebody. Because the greatest thing you can do for your congregation is let them know your request is so deep that it's above my prayer grade. And let's make room for prayer then. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's make room for prayer because it's above my pay grade. You are asking me something that's above my pay grade as a priest. And so Eli realizes now that Hannah is bringing something that requires the hand of God to do this. And so he puts his hands up and says, Hannah, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you grant your petition. So the first thing is this. Is your prayer request. Does it need God? Does it need God? You, you, you need a new, a new vehicle. You need, you need rent pay. You need whatever. Um, make that request before the Lord. Don't let anxiety come in. Make that to be part of your prayer request. I hear so many testimonies of people who have come to faith because grandma kept praying. That they would hear grandma praying over and over and over again and never stop praying. That they would push the plate aside and pray and pray. Why? Because you realize when you get to a place where nobody else can help you but God, you then get in a position for you to actually experience the peace of God. And that's the first thing. I love that, that Eli recognized after investigating the anxiety and the grief that Hannah was experiencing, that he finally said to her, it's above my pay grade. One thing I also want you to understand about this is that Eli says, the God of Israel. But Hannah recognized a more personal connection with God. She called him Yahweh. So I love what one theologian said, that Eli called the God of Israel because it was my profession. It's my career. But Hannah says, it's my lifestyle. Because this is personal. So prayer is not some program or some formula. Come on. Mm -mm. Prayer is a relationship and a connection with God. Because you know that God hears your prayer. And so what you have to get to, what I have to get to is recognizing, do you know God? And if you know God, then you realize now. That because he's Yahweh, there is no one like him. So your request is above my pay grade, but your request is not above God. <laughs> mm, that's so good. That's so good. And so as we, we, we see this now, see God as a personal relationship that he desires to have with you. That God is the one that actually wants to communicate with you. That God is actually saying, bring your request to me because I actually want to commune with you. I want to talk to you. God has stuff to tell us. Oh my goodness. That God is the one initiating the intimacy that he wants to have with you. It's always been God who initiates it. So prayer is not a bother. Prayer is an opportunity to get with God. Oh, my goodness. So let me ask you a question. What in the world could be more important than God? So therefore, God's presence reveals your idols. And that's what it really goes down to. Because we're going to get to it. We're going to see 
That God's presence reveals your idol. Because, see, let's say, let's say, Pastor Barry, you and I are talking, and we're just talking about football, and all of a sudden the presence of God comes, and we're going to stop talking about football and talk about the one who might be inconvenienced. It might be, oh, this is not appropriate. No, it is appropriate. Let's talk about God. Right? Because God wants to know, right now, I've got a word for you. Or perhaps right now someone needs you to intercede so I can move on their behalf, make me legal in that situation so the car won't crash. Come on. So these things that, that we're blaming God on, God said, my people would pray. You do understand the word had to become flesh, right? You understand he couldn't just operate in spirit and move around the earth. The enemy would have said, you're violating your word, God. Because no spirit can occupy. You need a body to occupy the earth. That's why we celebrate life. Life coming out of the womb is simply, and that's what she was crying out for. Put some flesh on this word. Come on. That's what she was saying. Put flesh on this word because what I got can't occupy legally without God intervening and putting flesh on this word. So God, if you close my womb, you're the only one that can open it then. So, Panaya, I know you love me as a husband. Come on. But you can't put flesh on this word. Ooh, good God Almighty. And so his presence comes in to reveal, what are you thinking about the most? So it should be instant. It should be instant. It should be where two or three are gathered in my name. There he is. We don't need a crowd. Last night I went to a Christmas banquet of, of, of which I sit on the board. Uh, it's a local organization ministry here, and, 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 and I get to serve, and it's an awesome privilege. And, and we had a great time, and prophetic words were being given. And this one individual, he, he looked at me, and he says, he says, I just, God highlighted you. And I'm like, okay, so I'm listening now. And, and he says, God highlighted you. And he says, God has gifted you. He has called you to redefine success. I was like, ooh, you better be preaching. Come on now. Said so success is not who's sitting in the pew. Success is the life that's being transformed. Come on. Because I promise you start a prayer meeting, you will empty out the church. <laughs> and you will think it's not successful and stop. And the thing is, people who are pregnant with a word, come on, they need God to add flesh. Mm. That's what she was saying. And so when you look at this, you have to recognize and understand this, that God has said, if my people will pray, the greatest they can do for your child is to pray for them. I'm not talking pray this, everybody wins type of prayer stuff. I'm talking about when you pray, God, I pray they answer the call on their life. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you become the Lord of their life. And give them Nikes. But God, I pray in Jesus' name that their love will be for you more than anybody else. Let them love you more than mommy and daddy. Let them have a prayer life. My God, let them put down Facebook and get on their face. God, I pray for my child. Let them live right. Let them be holy in this corrupt world. That's the prayer that God's talking about. So you may start, now I lay me down to sleep. And Lord, my soul to keep. If I die, look at the prayers that you know. Now, God, I pray you let them walk in the anointing of God. God, I pray they walk in their purpose and destiny. That's the type of prayer that we need to do. And so when you recognize this, we go to now a surpassing peace. So number one, it's above my 
pay grade. So therefore, it's not above God. And so number two, there's a surpassing peace. And this is what I want to break down for you is this. The surpassing peace is this, and I quote, it is to experience the peace of God that transcends or it exceeds your chaos and it brings a calm in your life because the peace of God lifts the believer above your trials. So because it's above my pay grade but not above God, surpassing peace lifts you above me, above your trials, and sets you where God is. And so therefore, you don't see your situation, your chaos from down here. You see from above here. And so now you have peace. And you have peace. And so that's, the, that's a surpassing peace. So, so how do we get to that particular place? First, it's those who honor him by trusting him will experience the blessing of his perfect peace. Perfect peace is shalom, shalom. That's what it's saying. So perfect is shalom, peace. So there is a shalom, shalom. So this is for those individuals who don't just experience peace. I said, and I've been teaching you, that there's personal peace that needs to now go to perfect peace. And so your personal peace, your calling, your clear conscience, and your core convictions moves you to a place of trusting God now where you operate in perfect peace. So, yes, you're at peace with God because of what Christ did, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, right, who is the Prince of Peace. But now what we're talking about is this surpassing peace comes to those who honor him by trusting him. They will experience the blessing of his perfect peace. That's why Paul in prison can say, I'm not locked up. That's so amazing. But, Paul, you are. I'm not locked up. I'm in perfect peace Because it surpasses your understanding of what God is doing. So here's how you walk through uh, surpassing peace. Number one, God is in control. Write that down. God is in control. Okay, right? It's not the theological word is God is sovereign, but that messes people up. So let's just go and call it God is in control. You can argue that, but you're gonna lose. God is in control. Satan is not in control. Sickness is not in control. COVID is not in control. Congress is not in control. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. CNN is not in control. Fox News is not in control. God is in control. Yes, he is. There's no debate in that. There's no arguing that. God is in control. If you want to live in surpassing peace, I'm talking about. God is in control. And what we have to see is this. Every event, every person, yes, every person who's listening to me right now and watching online, every event, every person, everything in the entire universe is overseen by Yahweh. There is not a mouse that moves that God doesn't know he's moving. Come on, there's not a cockroach where you turn the lights on that scatters that God doesn't know is scattering. I don't know why he created skunks, but he's not a skunk, come on, without God knowing it. It's not a raccoon because I don't empty trash when it's dark at night because they just, I don't know why he created those things. But you know what I mean? But so there was nothing, hear me, that God is not in control. People may think he's not in control, but God knows he's in control. (laughs) 
And this foundation is powerful. Why? For your eternal salvation. If he's not in control, you are doomed. <laughs> Let that sink in right there. If he's not in control, you and I are going to hell forever. And the enemy, when Adam and Eve sinned, it would have been final. But God put a flame and sword beside the tree of life. Come on. Because God has said, I'm in control. Yay. <laughs> so God is in control. It's your eternal salvation. The running of the universe. Your future, your past. God has made provision to deal with all of that. Let me say it again. God has made provision to deal with all of that. Why? He gave you surpassing peace. And he promised to be with you every day in every small and large aspect of your life. So my question is, why are we asking God in prayer? If God is concerned with every detail of your life, and if God has promised to be with you in every day, in every small and large aspect of your life, why don't we pray? Because the enemy knows if you pray, you allow God to be legal in the earth. And when God becomes legal, he reveals your idols. And we don't want our idols to be taken from us. We like our toys. But God is saying, no, you need to understand this. God's in control. The second thing that's just as true is you have a choice. Write that down. So God is in control. And the second thing is you have a choice. We're talking about surpassing peace now. Right? Surpassing peace. One may debate about your salvation in terms of, do you have a choice with that or not? Or did God call you? Or did God, you know, are you chosen by God? You can debate that. Um, But you have a choice. It's separate from that. This is talking about you being a free moral being. This is what we're talking about, your faculties of, of making decisions. And so it says here, you have a choice. So, so really, write this down. The, your choice really goes to two things. Write this down. It's either obedience or disobedience. And how you live the rest of your decisions is based on those two things. You always come back to that. Because God is in control, and because you also have a choice, it's really obedience or disobedience. That's it. But because of God's free will that he created you to be, you live that out in your day-to-day activities. So you're not a robot, you're a creation of God. And so because you're a creation of God, you have a choice. And so what he's saying, if you want surpassing peace, someone say, I want surpassing peace. He says, here's how you use your choice then. So he's saying, God's in control, and your salvation is secure. Why? Because God initiated that. Every event, every person, everything in your life, and your salvation, God says, I got that one. You can't save yourself. So God says, I got that one. But the other one is, you have a choice. God is saying, now your choice is simply, someone say with me, obedience or disobedience. That's it. That's a great way to parent. Your kid comes to, you really don't have two choices. Obedience or disobedience. If you're obedient, this is what happens. If you're disobedient, this is what happens. Because ultimately, you're not in control. But you have a choice. Oh, come on. God is the best parent. I'm telling you right now, you do this to your kid, they'll be like, thank you for leading me in a healthy way. Because you are teaching me things about God 
in how you actually parent me. And so here is the things that you have choice over if you choose obedience. So the people who are choosing obedience, this is what God is saying. Here's your choice when it comes to surpassing peace. Number one, how you approach God. You have a choice. How do you approach God? And God is saying, you approach me through prayer. So you have a choice to pray or not. And that's why it is difficult for us to pray because we have a choice. God doesn't force you to pray. He invites you to come and pray. Religion forces you to pray. Five days and, or five times and have to head to the east and have to head this tongue. And so it does it. And so the reason why we have religious people who are more committed than we are is because they're forced to pray because they think that's how they appeal their God. Where God is saying, oh, no, I'm in control, but I want to acknowledge you have a choice. Do you want to worship me or not? And it starts with prayer, not with praise, not with preaching. It starts with prayer. And the enemy knows if they praise and if they preach, that's okay. They'll never know God until they pray. So Paul wrote, to experience peace, you must pray. Now, if you don't praise, the rocks are going to cry out. But to get God's attention, you need to pray. And so the enemy bombards you and makes your life a living hell. Why? So you don't go before God with the choice you have to go before God. Number two, you have a decision to have your attitude before God. That's supplication. Supplication, supplication, excuse me, is, is expressed in this authentic belief in God and trust in him that he answers our prayer. So watch it now. So here's how it works. Here's how it works, Minister Kevin. So I have a choice. Do I approach God or not? I want to be obedient. I'm going to approach God. Why? Because he controls every event. He's in control of everything like that. And this prayer request is above my pastor's head. And so I'm going to approach God. Now, my attitude is one of supplication is I'm going to trust him. No sense coming into his presence, not trust him. It's like a child. If Lizzie needs something, she comes into my presence. Why? Because that's my child. But if she's shaking in her boots, she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know my nature. She's afraid of me because she doesn't know my nature. And there's no reason why her attitude should be one of not trusting me as her father. So she should know I have access. So I was in a meeting early today, and she was driving six hours, and she got there, and she says, Dad, I'm sorry you're in a meeting. I says, you never have to apologize. You have access to this office. Come on. So you may say she interrupted. No, she said I was invited. I'm her child. And so God is never too busy to say, come on. Come on. You may be busy, but God said, I'm never too busy. Your approach before God and your attitude before God. And then number three, your affection before God. You have a choice of your affection when you come before God. He said, God, I thank you. Even before you answer the prayer, God, I thank you for the invite that I can come. See, what I, what I really love about this is this. I'm, I'm just going to a couple more minutes because we have to get to the surpassing peace. That's what Paul wrote. Paul said that you have a peace from God that surpasses all understanding. So can we just spend some time? Because I don't know about you, but I'm in a season right now of transition and change that I need the surpassing peace of God. That's what I need. And so this message is not just for me. Come on, not just for you. It's for me. It's for me, and I got to get to this place of this surpassing peace. And part of that is this. So, so God, if you're in control, some say God is in control. Come on, shame the devil. God is in control. And, and, and I have a choice. 
Okay. So my last question for you is this. I mean, a little, little bit, just, just give me a couple more minutes. The third thing is this, and this is where the enemy really, 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 really fight this out is this. So who is in charge? If God is in control, and if I have a choice, who's really in charge? That's a great question, Pastor, I know. Because what we wrestle with, and what we blame God, and what we fight God over, is who's in charge. (laughs) Because God, if you're sovereign, you could have prevented it from happening. So I guess you're not in charge. Or you're just cruel. And if I'm in charge, I lack the ability... And maybe the authority to stop it from happening because we live in a fallen world. So why pray when I'm confused between the God who's in control and me who have a choice? Who's really in charge? And so religion is birthed because we just do the routine because we don't know how to get past this. We need, excuse me, the surpassing peace of God. And the answer is, someone say, what's the answer? Both. God and you are in charge. (laughs) Because God has said, if you invite me in because you're in charge of the earth, I will step in because I'm in charge of the universe. Come on. And so it's never who's in control is the issue. And it's not you don't have a choice. The enemy fights you on who's in charge. And as Paul says, This is where you need to experience, not the positional peace of God's in control. Hear me, TGP. It's not the positional peace. God is in control. And it's not the personal peace called by God. Clear conscience, core conviction. It is this one right here. Who is in charge? So you stop playing the blame game. Come on. And take responsibility. For what we're in charge of. And we're in charge of being people who pray. With no excuse. And God is saying. As you said in Ephesians 6. Pray for all the saints. You're in charge of that. Pray for the saints. Stop blaming me. Because I'm a good God. And just. Because. It's allowed. Write this down. It doesn't mean God authored it. Just because it's allowed, God didn't offer it. I'm here to tell you right now that God in his wisdom allows things that his sovereignty could prevent. So it's a wisdom thing of God. Because even the enemy is under God's authority. Hey, come on. The one that's causing you not to pray is under the hand and the power of God Almighty. And so he's saying, why is my church not praying? So what Jesus had to do, loving Jesus, had to go into that religious place and kick over the table and says, you have made my house. You're in charge of my house. But you have made my house a house of Ben and robbers and not a house of prayer. So we both can be in charge. Ooh, God. Turn tables over in that religious place. He says, what are you doing here? 
Because if you pray, the lame will come in and get saved. If you pray, the blind eyes will open. If you pray, that kid will come home. If you pray, because I'm a good God and I'm in control. But if you want surpassing peace, that explains why I turned the table over. You've got to understand, we're both in charge here. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So see, try to take charge of what is in God's hands and you'll become frustrated and anxious. Neglect to take charge of things God has placed in your hands and you'll become depressed. So the issue comes for people is this. Number one, we don't like people to be in control of our lives and choices. It's scary. It's a prescription for panic disorder. And so God comes in and says, I am in control. And we're fighting him and blaming him and saying, uh-uh. Last time you were in control, this is what happened. You see, there's God's capability and there's man's responsibility. Let me finish with this. Thank you for giving me two more minutes to go over is this. Hannah got to this place where she recognized her personal relationship with God was this. Eli, I know it's above your pay grade because God's in control. But it's not above my responsibility. And so I'm going to stay right here until God answers my prayer. Because what I'm asking God for is going to change the nation. If you and I really understood that a life of prayer can really change what's going on in our society and our world, you would request prayer more often. And you would walk into this place. Can you envision with me? We walk into this place, and we get our cup of coffee, and we greet one another, but we go right to the altar, and we're praying, God, give pastor a word that transforms and transitions. God, let the praise team sing something that attacks heaven. I don't care if it's in my genre, in my range. I don't care. Let it be anointed. I leave you with this. It's interesting that people are searching for a church to go to. It's amazing the questions that we answer as the people are asking these questions. How long's the service? I mean, I got things to do, right? So how long's the service? It's not like you didn't put a 40, 60-hour work weekend, right? So we're tired. So how long is the service is what we ask. These are things for my kids. So your kids are in charge. If my kids are happy, then I'll be happy. Okay, let that one sink in. We, we do it because the culture asks for it. Not because there's no condemnation. The culture asks for it. And we want people to come in. We want people to be in church. It's a great, it, Absolutely. We ask questions of like, you know, so when's this available? And what I've yet to read where I, I see there, we have prayer, like prayer is a priority here. Like I don't, I don't, because no one's asking that. No, no one's asking, so do you pray often? Can, can, can I, you know what I mean? What, what's available? We don't ask those questions because pray. What the world is that? And so I believe God is moving through Jesus in the United States of America. And he's turning over tables. And he said, I thought we were both in charge. 
I thought we both were in charge. Every about every eyes closed. He's turning over your tables right now. So you can come to his table. Father, I thank you for an amazing people that I have the privilege of pastoring. Group of people that recognize that there's a peace available and we're going after it. Oh, my God. That we love our city. We love our county. We, we love our country. And our country's in chaos right now. But you said that we're both in charge. My God. So Jesus, turn over tables. That's caused us to be distracted from our original assignment. And invite us to dine at your table where prayers are answered, where needs are met. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What I would like for you to do is to please, we're going to get more of these cards, but can we make a commitment? Say, God, you're in control. And I make the choice to do my part and walk up to people and says, our church is inviting you to give us your prayer requests. No judgment. Write it down because God's in control. It's not me. And even things that you're mad about, God, write it down. Because I want to bring it to a place where we're praying and we're interceding. And I believe we're going to see here testimonies of people coming and saying, that church prayed and brought the peace that I needed in my life. In Jesus' name, this should be filled with so many cards. Every single one of us have at least one reason we should fill it out, and that's because we want the surpassing peace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.